The message of today's first reading from Proverbs 31 can be summed up with a line from another book of the Bible, the book of Sirach, chapter 26, and the line reads as follows. Happy the husband of a really good wife. Notice, if you would, that this particular line of the Bible does not say, happy the husband of a really good husband. Mm. Nor, for that matter, does it say, happy the wife of a really good wife. But you know, there are some in our country right now who would gladly make those changes to this verse of sacred scripture if they had the power to do so. Thanks be to God, they don't. Needless to say, the Bible recognizes no other configuration for marriage than one man and one woman. Do you agree with the scriptures? Do you personally agree with the Word of God on this matter. Now, some of you were around 40 or 50 years ago. I ask you, can you imagine a priest asking that question to the members of his congregation four or five decades ago? I was ordained in 1985, 23 years ago, and I can't imagine asking it at Masses back then. But right now, it definitely is a valid question. Do you personally agree with the scriptures? In decades past, if you even implied that marriage was for two members of the same gender, or for one man and several women, or for one woman and several men, the average person on the street or the average person in the pew would have called you crazy. But now when you say things like that, you are called progressive in some circles. You are called enlightened in some circles. Not in my circle, but in some out there in the world. And yet, my brothers and sisters, here's the really interesting point that very few people have been focusing on with respect to this issue. In spite of all the efforts that have been made in recent years to redefine marriage, efforts by the Hollywood elite and the liberal media and high-powered college professors and activist judges who legislate from the bench, in spite of all they have done to redefine marriage, the majority of Americans have not bought it. This is the untold story. At least they haven't bought it yet. This was demonstrated once again just a few days ago in the national election. Praise God, as voters in three states rejected so-called gay or same-sex marriage. By the way, that includes the state of California, which has the reputation of being extremely liberal on social issues. Just a few years ago, 
They voted to provide government funds for embryonic stem cell research. A lot of liberals out there. But they rejected gay marriage. That fact alone should give the defenders of traditional marriage a lot of hope. <laughs> Certainly gives me a lot of hope. Of course, we had better not make the mistake of sitting on our past laurels. As Catholics, we need to keep working very hard to promote marriage as God designed it. Because believe me, the enemies of traditional marriage are not going to fall asleep. They are already plotting their next attack, which will probably come via the courts. Have you noticed, incidentally, that this is the only way they have been able to get laws on marriage changed by forcing their will on the people through activist judges. That's what happened in Massachusetts. That's what happened in nearby Connecticut. I don't know why more people are not livid about this. In Connecticut, they should be protesting in the streets. One person made the law for your state if you live in Connecticut. That's not democracy. In my lexicon, that's called dictatorship. And we sit back and we just take it. It's because the media is forming the conversation here. You noticed all they focused about since the decision, decision in California is the activity of the protesters to make it appear like everybody's protesting. Well, the majority out there voted against it. And that's the point. When democracy has been allowed to function properly and they put the issue to a vote in a particular state, the people have consistently said no, thank God. Even in a state like California. Let me share with you now a few insights from a great article that appeared in the Rhode Island Catholic a few months ago. Maybe you read this one. It was entitled, Love Isn't Enough. Five Reasons Why Same-Sex Marriage Will Harm Children. And it was written by a clinical psychologist, Dr. Tracy Hansen. I do this today because if we are intent on defending traditional marriage, and hopefully all of us are, we've got to be able to give people out there solid reasons why legalizing so-called gay marriage is not in the best interests of society as a whole, and of children in particular. So here they are. Hopefully you'll be able to remember them. But don't worry, if you can't, I post my homilies on my blog, on the web. Just go look it up for a refresher course. Or point your liberal friends who believe in gay marriage to this homily. The web address of my blog is in the bulletin. Reason number one, according to Dr. Hansen, why it's in the best interest of children to be raised by both a mother and a father. She says, mother love and father love are qualitatively different. And a child needs the complementary balance of the two. She writes, the unconditional leaning love of a mother and the conditional leaning love of a father are essential 
to a child's development. Either of these forms of love without the other can be problematic. In other words, moms and dads tend to show their love for their children in different ways. That's normal. But she's saying here, children grow and develop best when they experience love from both parties. Now, some of you may say, but Father Ray, this is common sense. Yeah, it used to be. But especially in our day and age, common sense is not so common. We need PhDs to tell us what we used to know just by our own intellect. Reason number two, children progress through predictable and necessary developmental stages. Some stages require more from a mother, while others require more from a father. She writes, for example, infants tend to do better in the care of their mother. Fathers are generally needed later when they play a restraining role in the lives of their children. You know how fathers are. No, you're not taking the car out tonight. End of discussion. Some of you teenagers might have heard that from your dads in the last few days. Reason number three. Boys and girls need an opposite-sexed parent. Boys, in other words, need their mother. Girls need their father. To help them moderate their own gender-linked inclinations. As males and females, we all have our gender-linked inclinations. Dr. Hansen says, boys generally embrace reason over emotion, rules over relationships, risk-taking over caution, and standards over compassion, while girls generally embrace the reverse. An opposite-sexed parent helps a child to keep his or her own natural proclivities in check by teaching verbally and non-verbally the worth of opposing tendencies. Reason number four, same-sex marriage will increase sexual confusion and experimentation by implying that all choices are equally acceptable and desirable. Now, from my reading and observation, as well as from my discussions with lots of teenagers, I would say that a great deal of this kind of experimentation is already going on, resulting in many young people being introduced into the gay lifestyle, who otherwise would not be. But of course, as Dr. Hansen reminds us, the legalizing of same-sex marriage would make the problem even worse. And finally, reason number five. If society permits same-sex marriage, it also will have to allow other types of marriage. Now, this is not the first time you've heard that warning from this pulpit, is it? And it makes perfect sense, does it not? I mean, if Adam can marry Steve, then why can't Adam marry Steve and Stan? Or Steve and Stan and Eve? Or several women? Or several men? Or some combination thereof? 
Someday, someday it might even come down to the question of whether or not Adam can marry Fido the dog or Fluffy the cat. I know there are cat lovers out there too. I want to give you equal time here. Now I heard some of you laugh and on one level it is funny. But if you think that last one is totally ridiculous and could never ever happen, please keep in mind that 50 years ago, 99.9% of the population would have said that same-sex marriage was totally ridiculous and could never ever happen. But now, let's be honest, it's a very real possibility. Let me close today with a final message from Dr. Hansen. It's my simple prayer that her words here will inspire each and every one of us to do our very best where we're at, in our own situations, in our own circumstances, to promote marriage as the Bible teaches it and as God designed it. She writes, same-sex marriage definitely isn't in the best interest of children. And although we empathize with those homosexuals who long to be married and parent children, we must not allow our compassion for them to trump our compassion for young people. In a contest between the desires of some homosexuals and the needs of children, we cannot allow the children to lose.